Welcome to the SJBC Sunday Morning Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by our senior pastor, Dr. Richard Carver. For more podcasts, videos, and information on our church, please visit mysjbc.org. If you would, be so kind, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, page 933 there in your pew Bible. We're still in the series of sermons that titled Discovering Life, and we have about uh, three more sermons after today. And uh, I'm excited to bring this next series of sermons uh, after this. Uh, partly, pa- part of the sermon will be dealing with the rapture. This series is coming. Uh, but the title of the series is called He Is. And we often talk about that He is just, and He is righteous, and He is sovereign, and but we're going to take a different approach in looking at God, that, that He is ever-present, that He is ever-caring, that He is ever-loving. And think about the elements and aspects of God and His character that meet our needs every single day of our life. But this series, Discovering Life, we want to think about living in, as authentic Christians today. You know, when we watch the news or read blogs or whatever, however you, it is that you get your news, or even just looking out your, your window at your home, it's easy to see that, you know, our nation's at war. I mean, it really is a mess out there. And, and we're in the, the midst of really a bitter culture war. The, the values that, that were once held dear are being tossed aside systematically. And honestly, the, the church is failing. The church universal is, is failing, not just South Jefferson, but churches everywhere are failing. And the values that we have lost, some of the values that, that we, we have just, we've just surrendered them. Right. We, 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 can't, we can't win those back. You can't legislate those back. You can't handle it in the courts. The elections are not going to fix it. I was reading today an article about how the people that elected Biden are now, they're, they're, they're having buyer's remorse. And they interviewed a transgendered woman they interviewed a single mother with three children and a single who was homeless and a single father with children who raising his children who was a black man. They all three voted for Biden and they all now have buyer's remorse because they didn't realize that he was going to be a Marxist ideologist. Now, po- politics aren't going to fix it, folks. We are not going to vote in a person to fix it. Trump didn't fix it. Biden didn't fix it. Whoever we vote in next is not going to fix it. Jesus Christ is the only fixer of things. And we've we've lost our our way in thinking that people are going to do this. And the lady that interviewed the homeless mother that was living out of her car with three children, she said in in, in the the interview, she said, I wish I'd have voted differently because I was led to believe he would change things. Well, we can't. We're people. Only God can. Instead of, as believers, we have to embrace a strategy that's been successful since Jesus created it 2,000 years ago. And the best, most effective tool for us to impact this pagan culture that we live in is authentic Christianity, is to be real, live, living, breathing Christians in this world. And believers who want to discover life, we have to live as authentic believers. But what does it mean to be authentic? On vacation this week, we were in a community that it's a golf cart community. So thank you all for allowing us to get away. But everybody rode golf carts. 
when we got there, the, the golf cart was available to us, and then we rented another golf cart because everywhere you go, you have to have a golf cart. I saw golf carts that looked like Corvettes. I saw golf carts that looked like uh, four-wheel drive vehicles. I saw uh, tricked out golf carts. I mean, they were amazing. Uh, golf carts that looked like Model Ts. I mean, it was amazing all the golf carts that were out there, but in reality, they were all fake because it was still a battery inside there. There was no V8, there was no gasoline engine. It was a fake Corvette, it was a fake four-wheel drive, it was a fake Model T. It was not at all authentic. When we say something's authentic, we're saying that, that it's not false, that it's not copied, that it's the real deal, just as it is. We're claiming that it's genuine and that it's real, and, and it's our living, our, the living of our Christian life in such a way that we, it can be verified through our everyday living, that people can watch us and see and know and understand that, oh, they're a believer, they're a Christian, they live differently, without ever saying a word, without ever saying a word. It's living every day in such a way that our living represents our true Christian nature and beliefs and character. And Paul writes to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul wrote, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Well, what was he? He was a servant, serving the church, serving people, serving God. He was a missionary. He was a preacher. He was a builder and creator of tents. He had a public job to support his ministry. He says, I am what I am, which is forgiven. And his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, it changed his eternal destiny. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I but the grace of God that was with me. He's saying, I'm authentic. And you know I'm authentic because of the way I live my life and the way that I worked. Just look at me and you can understand that I'm authentic. And what was our Lord's command from Mark chapter 12? Read this with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So if we're going to be authentic Christians, what Paul was doing was he was living out Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. When he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What he's saying is, I'm being authentic in my living and I, because I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I'm loving my neighbor as myself. Paul says it was by that grace of God. What if we just simply stuck to what Jesus commanded us to do? What do you think would happen in Valley Station if just a handful of us dared to love our neighbors as ourselves? I mean, would any of us have the, the, the courage, the I guess the right, to go to our neighbors and say, Live like I do. That's authentic Christianity. Could, you, could, could we go to anyone and say, hey, live like I do, because if you live like I do, you're going to live like an authentic Christian. I mean, how many of us could really honestly do that? We should all be able to do that. 
If we're going to live as authentic Christians, if we're going to be the kind of people that Jesus has called us to be, then we should be able to go to anyone just like Paul and say, model my behaviors, model my lifestyle, model my attitudes, model my characteristics. But in truth, there's probably very few of us in this room that could go do that. Say, model me. Because as we examine our lives, we realize that we're coming up short. We don't live as authentic Christians every day. And honestly, that's a problem. It's scripturally, it's a problem. And it's a problem to the world around us because they're watching and they're thinking, that's what Christianity is. I don't want that. What in the world would happen if we dared to be generous with our time with our resources and with our talents. You know, Christians have always lived and have thrived in cultures where they are the minority. Let me tell you something. Today, every one of you in this room are the minority. According to Barna, 90% of Kentuckians, 90% of, and we're in the Bible Belt, 90% of Kentuckians are far from God. 90%. That would mean that there's folks in your family that are far from God. Nine out of every ten people are far from God in Kentucky. Can you imagine what it would be like in non-Bible Belt states? I mean, we've got four seminaries in our state and countless Bible colleges. But Kentuckians, 90%, according to George Barner, are far from God. Only 10% of the people that you live near, only 10% of the people that you drive with on the Gene Snyder, only 10% of the people that you work with, maybe even only 10% of the people in your home, 10% of the people that you shop with, only 10% are believers. And it's no wonder people stare at us when we bow our heads to pray in a restaurant. They think we're weird. They think that we're defective that we're weak because we bow our heads and pray to sovereign God and they don't even believe that he's there. 90%. See, Christianity began in a Jewish culture and it thrived in a pagan Roman empire. Christianity thrived when they were surrounded by pagans. We live in just as pagan a culture as Paul did in that day. I mean, the apostle Paul, he actually offers advice to the church in Corinth. I mean, they lived in the middle of a pagan society just like we do. And and his words guided those believers. And they should guide us today. Paul said that he worked hard and he served hard. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul encourages Christians, honestly, to clean up our behavior. It's not like a request. This is a command. Clean up the behavior. I grew up a carver. Now, in my family, that was important. Whenever we would go to business functions with my father, you know what he would say? You're a carver. Act like one. Now, he meant don't embarrass me in front of my colleagues. He meant don't put your elbows on the table. He meant don't interrupt anybody in a conversation. Say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Let ladies go first. Pull the door open. Don't use the salad fork to eat your steak with. You know, that kind of thing. Don't embarrass me. You're a carver. Shoulders back, head high. Be proud of that last name. It means something. We got a grander name. I'm a Christian. 
I carry Christ's name. And that same sense of responsibility should be felt like us because we're carrying his name and people realize it. They see it. Sometimes you walk past and they can smell the God on you because he's a sweet savor, a sweet aroma. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul encourages Christians to, to clean up their behavior because honestly, the church in Corinth was a mess. They had all kind of problems going on in that church and the world was watching the whole thing and the church was a mess. I mean, there were sons being intimate with mothers and, and stepdaughters and they had all kind of inappropriate relationships going on. There was bickering, there was division. And Paul's point was that authentic Christ followers, you're going to be strict on yourself. And we should expect that other Christians would obey the Lord's requirements. I mean, Scripture teaches us that, 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 that Christians, for us, the way forward in America has to happen with us. In today's America, in his book, Unchristian, David Kinneman, he cites a, a Barna research study. And David Kinneman asked non-Christians whether they viewed the role of Christians in American society in a favorable way or an unfavorable way. So he only talked to lost people. Asking lost people, tell me what you think of Christians at so-and-so church or down the street. In 1996, 1996, 85% of lost people had a favorable opinion of Christians. That's high. 96% of lost people thought Christians were good. Today, Barna just released last week that it's less than 14% of Americans. If you do that, that's only 36 years ago. Or no, 26 years ago. How many years ago is it? It's not that long ago. We've gone from 85% approving Christians to 14%. Our, our culture doesn't want you here. 86% of our culture doesn't like you because you're Christian. No wonder 90% of Kentuckians are far from God. They're all telling each other how bad we are. And they, Barna asked, or David Kinneman asked these people, describe a Christian. And so this is what they said. These 86% that don't like you, they said that you're judgmental, that you're hypocritical, that you're not authentic, you're not real, that you're closed-minded, that you're racist, that you're insensitive, that you're critical. Yeah, that's pretty opposite of what Paul said. I mean, just this week, Gallup released a poll that said that 80% percent of Americans, I actually just read the article this morning, 80% of Americans do not believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. That's scary. 80% do not believe this is God's word. 80%. 29% believe that the Bible is fables, some history thrown in, and legends. In other words, they think the Bible is just a bunch of made-up stuff with history thrown in. 
Almost a third of Americans think that this is a fairy tale. That's scary. That's scary. Americans do not believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God. Oh, we, if there was ever a time when we needed to be an authentic Christian, it's today. It's today. The, the, the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace, Paul told the Galatians. Is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I mean, it's clearly observable that American culture is moving away from Christianity. Maybe even in your home. Maybe in your home. We're increasingly secularized. We, we can't expect American people who are on our mission field to embrace Christian values if we're not being authentic in our ministries, if we're not being authentic in our living. We can't expect our own children to come to Christ or our spouses to come to Christ or our parents to come to Christ if we're not living authentic lives. We have to understand that. Our world's far from God. So far that they don't know anything about it. I mean, they know they use the name God. Use the name Jesus. But it's almost always in a prerogatory or derogatory kind of way. Slang. But inwardly for us. The basis of Christian living is very different. I mean, Christ is a part of every wholesome action that we do. He's at the center of everything. Our life literally revolves around Jesus Christ. And life then is kept in proper focus, regardless of the outward struggles. The song that we just sang, it said, even the, the, the waves and winds still know his name. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. Every day of the week, every week of the year, every year from now till forever. We have strength through the Holy Spirit that, that holds us tight. And that's really living. But, but the devil, well, he's smart. He's smart. The devil, he continually seeks to distract us from who we are in Christ. And he distracts us from our function together as the body. I mean, Jesus calls us in, in Romans 12, 1, to renew our minds, to make them new every day. He calls us to remember who we are now because of the finished work of Christ. So what are we to do? How do we live authentically? I'm going to go through these very quickly. First, an authentic Christian, honestly, is someone who's done several things. They have repented of their sin. They believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for their sins and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. That's the starting point. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you cannot be an authentic Christian. That's the place where it begins. It's in relationship with Jesus Christ. In Christianity, it begins with this verbal acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, the Bible says that the, the demons believe that. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it says that you believe that there is one God. Good. And then James says, even the demons believe that there's one God. And they shudder. You know why they, they believe that there's one God? Because demons are fallen angels. Before the fall of Lucifer, when he took the, the angels with him, these are fallen. They at one time were in God's presence. They know who God is. And they shudder. But you can't go back. You can't go back. 
There's a line drawn in the sand. And once you side with the devil, there's no going back. I've been reading about, about the rapture. And, the, and in the, the book that I'm reading, it says that, that in the end times, the Antichrist is going to persuade people to receive the mark of the beast. And that mark of the beast is going to be in your forehead or your right hand. And there's no undoing that. Because God is going to force people to choose a side. You're either going to choose me or you're going to choose the devil. And once they get that mark, they can go get groceries and go to the doctor and get medicine or whatever it is. It's done. There's no undoing it. For us, when we side with the devil, there is no undoing that. We've made our choice. The devils and the demon, they believe in God. They believe in Jesus. But there's a difference. There's a difference. They never repent. They know exactly who God is. They know exactly who Jesus is. They know exactly who the Holy Spirit is. But they never repent. Authentic Christians are able to say that Jesus Christ is their Lord because they repent. Second, authentic Christians talk to God regularly and often. When someone is truly born again, they desire to be with God as often as possible. We feel like David. David in Psalm 42 said, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. Thirsting for Jesus. Thirsting for God. He said, my soul thirsts for the living God. Believers, Christians who are authentic, we want to talk with God. We want God to talk with us about anything and about everything. This morning, my PowerPoint, I emailed it to Meyer before we went on vacation. And somehow there was a mix-up in what she got. Now, this is a true story. I sent it to her on either Tuesday or Wednesday before we left for vacation. And as soon as I sent it to her, the Holy Spirit said to me, you better send it to yourself. Why? I never sent it to myself. The Holy Spirit said, send it to yourself. So I did. You know what happened this morning? The PowerPoint got lost. Charles pulled it up and said, oh, these don't match. This PowerPoint doesn't match all this other stuff. Meyer came knocking on my office door. We have a problem. We don't have your PowerPoint. I said, not a problem. I pulled up my phone, sent it right to her, and she downloaded it. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit talked to me and said, send it to yourself. Now, if I hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have had that. And it frustrates me when you don't have that, because I work hard on that. <laughs> but you wouldn't have that. It's important to, for me that, to try to engage you on as many levels as I can. There's five, five learning styles, and I try to engage you on at least four of them every time we're together. So I hit some of you some of the time. The devil, he doesn't want you being thirsty. He tries to quench our thirst with every other thing. And sometimes we invite him to. We say, come and quench my thirst for me. See, Jesus is our friend. He's our brother. God's our heavenly father. Third, authentic Christians are unhappy. Maybe even miserable when they're sinning. Authentic Christians feel bad about their sins. The most miserable people I know are believers who try to live with boots in both worlds. They're the most miserable people I know. The only way to have joy is to say a full yes to God and mean it, which means saying no to the world. Now, now there's a, a difference between committing a sin and practicing sin. There's a big difference. 
We all commit sins. Committing sins is what all people do. That's why 1 John 1, 9, 10 says, If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins to, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because we all commit sin. All people commit sins. But only a non-Christian will deliberately and consistently commit the same sin. Christians do sin. I sin. But they're generally circumstantial. Generally. Practicing sin by going out of our way to participate in sin, that's a whole other kind of choice. That's the dangerous kind. We learn from 1 John 3, 9 that no one who is born of God will continue to sin. That's the kind of sinning that you plan on doing. It's not the circumstantial sin that we accidentally do. Smash your finger. Car cuts you off. You know what I'm... Grease pop on you. You know what I mean. Hot grease. Where you sin and you don't really intend to sin. But then there's the act of practicing sin. No one who born of God, who's born of God will practice sin. That just sounds crazy, doesn't it? Practicing sin. That, that just sounds cuckoo. And it sounds cuckoo because we're Christians. It should sound cuckoo. Because God's seed remains in them. I like that remains. It means it's not coming out. Even though we do sin, the Holy Spirit still stays within us. Thank God for that. Because how many times have we drive the Holy Spirit from us if it, He didn't remain? That's a terrible thought to think about. To think that you could send the Holy Spirit out of you. But he says in there that, that they cannot go on practicing sin or they cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. It should bother us. Sinning Christians are miserable people. Or at least they ought to be miserable. Now that doesn't mean you will never sin again. But if you do, you feel that weight, that burden. That's because there's something that's clogging up the pipeline between you and God and it feels bad. So there's a remedy. 1 John 1, 9 and 10, to confess. And there's a difference between recognizing that we will fail in some way and then committing willful sin. We know in our heart that when we do that, what we're doing is wrong. And we're miserable for it. Don't you know that to be true? When you commit a sin that you practice that, just as soon as you're finished, what do you feel? The weight of guilt. I mean, just as soon as you're done, it might have been fun for a minute or two, but just as soon as you're done, it's like, oh my gosh, what'd I do? I feel awful. Fourth, authentic Christians want to be with other believers. An authentic believer wants to be around other believers. David Jeremiah just this week said that in one of his sermons that he had been talking to other pastors around the country. And there's this phenomenon that's growing out of the pandemic that is striking at churches in their very heart and their very core. And what David Jeremiah said was that 70% of people that vacated the church due to the, due, to the, due to the pandemic are not returning. 70, not across the country in America, 70% of people are not returning to in-person worship after the pandemic. Boy, the devil did a number on the church. He did a number and a half. He used that pandemic 
to cause us to practice the sin of not coming together. Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in the King James. Well, we're forsaking it at a rate of 70%. That's pretty frightening. And we're supposed to be authentic. This is the place where we come to hear about God and to worship God and to sing praises together and to encourage one another. But 70% of us aren't doing it. Whenever we isolate ourselves from other believers, we're in danger. My granddaughter loves animals, every kind of animal. I can't smash a fly if she's home. It's any kind of animal she loves. Well, she came, she kind of came to herself on vacation this year, and she loves ocean water. But it's still scary to her because she knows that there are sharks and other varmints out there that like, the, like what people taste like. And so she said, I want us to be like a dolphin and make a pod. You know what the dolphins do? They put the baby in the middle and they circle around. What Eliana was saying was, I want y'all to get around me so y'all get eaten first and keep me safe. Now, she didn't say those words, but she was saying, get around me so I can be safe out here in the ocean water because I can't touch the bottom. I've got this life vest on. See, for believers, when we, get, when we isolate ourselves, there's nobody around. We are very vulnerable every kind of attack and temptation. Scripture teaches us that we're to be with other believers, to encourage one another, to guide one another. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. You can do it. Yes, you can. Go, go, go. You can do it. You can make it happen. How we might spur one another on, but toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing after COVID-19 but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day? What's the day of judgment? The day of the rapture. The day when the trumpet sounds. When God whisks us away and we meet Him in the air so that we don't have to experience the tribulation. I, I, I worry about people who miss the rapture. They're going to go through the tribulation. I was talking to my son. I said, well, I said, Eliana, you know, she's five and a half. She has not yet made a profession of faith. I said, also, what happens if the rapture is in four or five years? She's reached the age of accountability, most likely. She'd be around 10. What if the rapture happens? We're all going to be gone. Eliana's going to be left behind in this world of the Antichrist. Oh, my gosh. When all godly, saintly people are gone. If you think the world's bad now, wait till there's no more Christians here. Wait till there's no Holy Spirit here. I mean, that's a real thing to think about. The people that's going to be left behind, they're going to go through the tribulation. And it's bad. It's bad. He says, especially as you see the day approaching. Folks, we have to be authentic in our living Real Christians will want to have fellowship with other believers and they'll want to worship the Lord alongside other believers. I love it when I can hear Adeline and Miriam and Andrew singing over here. It just tickles me all the way from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet to hear them sing. You've heard them sing. It tickles me with some of you low basses when I can hear you from the back of the room all the way up here. It encourages us. Fifth, authentic Christians read the Bible. The Bible is God's word. Every single word of Scripture is true. 
And the Bible teaches us how to keep our life holy. Authentic believers will not have Bibles that have dust on them. Or have Bibles stuck in the back of a drawer. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 says, Men and women don't live by bread only. We live by every word that comes from God's mouth. Now, the confession is that we do need bread to live. We don't live by bread only. Which means we need bread to live. But that's not all we need to live. The other part of successful living is living by every word that comes from God's mouth or this book right here. When was the last time you fed your physical appetite? You know what it's like to get hangry when you're hungry and you're angry and there's no food and you get hangry? When was the last time you fed your physical appetite? I fed mine this morning. I had a cereal called Weetabix. And it was good with milk. It's one of my favorites. No sugar. It's not sweet. I fed my physical body. But after breakfast, or before and after, I went to my office and I fed my spiritual appetite. I had my quiet time. I read from Psalm 70 this morning, verse 1. And it encouraged me to read verse 1 in Psalm 70. Turn there with me. Psalm 70, verse 1. This was my prayer this morning. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. That was my prayer this morning. I read all of the psalm. But my focus was on verse 1 in Psalm chapter 70. And it fed my soul this morning to know that I was talking to God and He was listening to me. He heard every word I said. And he comforted my soul this morning. Authentic Christians read the Bible. When was the last time you fed your soul? We don't live on bread only. This is the other part of life. If you're not reading your Bible, you're starving half to death. You're only feeding half of who you are. You ought to read your Bible at least as often as you eat. If you eat three times a day, can't you read once? How many days do you go without feeding your soul? How many weeks or months? How can we ever expect to be strong if we're not feeding? If we're starving ourselves half to death, literally, but not feeding ourselves spiritually? Sixth, authentic Christians obey the commands of Jesus. This is vital to authentic Christian living. <laughs> Because the Bible is the very textbook of life. Yet so many believers don't read their Bible. Finally, an authentic believer is a forgiver. That means that any true born-again Christian will have no hatred in their hearts for anyone. God is love. Therefore, if we have hatred in our heart, you can't have God in your heart. Light and darkness can't exist in the same place at the same time. Likewise, love and hatred can't exist in the same place at the same time. It just doesn't work. John says that, that anyone who has hatred in their hearts is a murderer at heart. And that no murderer has eternal life in them. He also says that, that those who are walking in hatred are walking in darkness. If we carry hatred in our heart, I don't know if we can be saved. If we read Jesus carefully. If we have hatred in our heart, Scripture says we're walking in darkness. Loving everyone is God's command. 
straight out of his mouth to our ears. We're going to sing him an invitation. Jacqueline comes. I ask you to search your heart this morning. You know whether or not you're an authentic Christian because I've just given you some seven characteristics that are markers of what an authentic Christian is. And, and if these seven are found in your life, oh, what a blessing you are to God and His kingdom and to us, to other believers. But if not, today's the day, to, the time to, to confess that sin. It's time to repent. It's time to give your life to Christ. Because that day is approaching. Every moment that we live is one more is one moment closer to that day. As we sing this hymn, just repent of whatever sins you're consistently committing. Give your heart and life to Christ if you have. Let's stand together as we sing.